Good evening. Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Good Wednesday evening to you. I pray that you are having a great day. Good uh, inauguration day to you. Happy inauguration day. We've got a new president. Amen. Amen. So what a great day it is for our nation. Uh, we know that you're praying for uh, our new president and our new vice president. Amen. So good to see each of you in the house tonight. Go ahead and share this with your neighbor, with your friend. Push that share button, y'all. It is so easy to share. It is. It has never been easier to share uh, your faith uh, than it is right now. Uh, simply by pushing that share button, letting your neighbors on Facebook, those of your family friends on Facebook know that K Chapel is on. Bible study is ready. We're ready. We're going to have a good time in the word tonight. So go ahead and push that share button and let your friends know that you're watching K Chapel live tonight. Who do we have in the room tonight? Amen. Erica Webster, happy Wednesday. God bless you. Good to have you with us, Erica. Sister Luster, amen. God bless you. Thank God for new leadership. I hear you. Tanya Francis, God bless you. Good to have you with us, Tanya. Vicki Nunn, good to have you this evening, Sister Nunn. Shakita, Sh Sister Cheney, God bless you. Good to see you on. Amen. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, Peggy Redman, uh, good to have you on, Sister Redman. Amen. And certainly, uh, Reverend Redman did a great job for us on this past Sunday. Thank God for uh, our associate ministers and for uh, Reverend Redmond just stepping in for us. Uh, good evening, Sister Stewart. God bless you. Good to see you, Sister Stewart. Who else do we have in the room? Paula. Paula T., God bless you. Good to have you in the room tonight. Uh, Faye Hill is with us tonight. Uh, Christopher Johnson, always with us. Good to, see, good to see you on, brother. Barbara Hurd is with us tonight. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Ruth Ann Wilson, so happy to see you this evening as well. Elvira, good evening, Kate. Y'all are in the house. I think y'all ready for some Bible study tonight. Nancy Roselle, amen. Good to see you on tonight. Are you all praying? Are you all praying for our president and for our leadership, Sister Clark? Are you praying for our new administration? Are you praying for good success? Amen. I need you to do that. We need you to do it. Do that. Diane Snow, Debbie Littleton. Amen. Good to have you with us. Sharon Harris. Amen. Good, good, good to see everybody. Dwayne Wilson, you all are in the house. Thank you so much again for sharing. Good evening, Faye Hill. Good evening, Maxine Bolden. Amen. Trip Linda Triplett, Rita Johnson, Betsy Osgood, Loretta Epps. Y'all are here. God bless you. God bless you. I may not get everybody's name, but hey, it's good to see everybody in the house tonight. God is a great God. He is greatly to be praised. We're going to get into the study tonight, uh, but I'm excited about, I'm excited not only about our study, but I am excited about this day and what it represents. We've been through a lot over the last couple of weeks in our nation. We've seen a lot of things that we thought we never would see. We've seen. Uh, but uh, today represents a new day. Today represents a new opportunity. And today represents hope. And I am indeed hopeful uh, as we begin this new administration with a new president, a new vice president. What an awesome day it has been to see uh, our first uh, African-American and first female vice president uh, inaugurated today, Kamala Harris. And so what a wonderful, and, and we got to get used to saying second gentleman. Did y'all hear that all day today? Uh, and our second gentleman, we got to, we got to give you, amen. That, that's a, that, that, is, that is, that is something to hear. Amen. Something to get used to saying, but I tell you, I, I could get used to that because there, there are some sisters out there who can get the job done. Amen. Amen. Good to see you all. Listen, let's, um, Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we will get into our study for tonight. Amen. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this time together in in your word and for this fellowshipping uh, opportunity that we have to gather together uh, as the body of Christ. And though we don't see each other, uh, we thank you, God, for this virtual experience where we can connect spiritually, connecting through the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, connecting through the truth of your Holy Word, connecting, oh God, because we are one in you. And so, Lord, we pray now your blessings upon our time together, uh, that you will give us insight, wisdom, and understanding into the truth of your word, into the knowledge therein. God, that you would allow us to uh, grow deeper in our relationship with you as we grow deeper in our understanding of your word. Granted, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. All right. Well, listen, let's go ahead and get started. I am looking all over my screen because my notes just left me, believe it or not. Here we go. All right. All right. Um, so let's get, why don't I do a, just a bit of review uh, for those of you who may not have been with us uh, a couple of weeks ago. We started a new Bible study, the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to pick up with that. And by the way, we uh, I'm sorry I had to cancel a Bible study on last week uh, on such short notice, uh, but uh, we 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 I needed to spend a little time with the family. This was uh, the, the last Wednesday was our last time as the four of us, me, uh, Jonathan, Anna, and my wife Lucretia, the four of us together, uh, before we had to uh, take Jonathan down to uh, Hattiesburg and move him onto campus. And so Wednesday night was our last night together, and I said, you know what, let's just. Let's just have a night together and uh, have some dinner and and enjoy each other. So that's what we were doing. Uh, everything is well. He is well. He is now on the campus at University of Southern Mississippi. Y'all pray for my son. Amen. Pray for his uh, safety and well-being. Pray that it's a success, successful year, not only for him, but for all of our college students as well. Amen. All right. So uh, the week before that, we started this new Bible study, the Gospel of Mark. And we talked about, just to begin, uh, just a bit of review, we talked, first of all, about what gospel is, the gospel of Mark. Since we're talking about the gospel of Mark, we, we define that word gospel, gospel meaning uh, good news, uh, the euangelion, uh, from which we get the word evangelism. It is the good news uh, of, of Jesus Christ, the good news, God spell, good news. Uh, and so this is the good news of uh, the gospel, uh, of the good news according to Mark, Mark uh, or John Mark. And Mark is his surname, John Mark. And um, uh, this is the, we believe to be the oldest of the four gospels. Uh, we believe also that Mark's material, the material that he got for this gospel is largely uh, supplied to him by Peter. Uh, and so he gets the, the writings and the accounts and the eyewitnesses of Peter, collects them and creates and writes uh, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Mark. We also, we also talked about uh, the different perspectives of the gospel. And I sort of gave you a crude trying to make something out <laughs> by, by drawing box air boxes. Uh, but uh, I think I had some help. Uh, someone helped me. Shannon helped me and, and gave me this graphic 
uh, to try and, 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 and encapsulate what I was saying to you a couple of weeks ago about the different audiences. And so Matthew, uh, Matthew writes largely to a Jewish audience. Uh, he writes uh, from the perspective of Jesus being the son of David. Um, and so Matthew, and Matthew begins, Matthew begins with a long genealogy. Uh, he is connecting, and think about it, the reason that he does this long genealogy is because he wants to show and connect Jesus uh, to this Old Testament, this and, and let it be known that he is from the the, the stem uh, of Jesse, the root of David. He is he is from that that family line, um, and so he writes from the perspective of Jesus being the son of David. Uh, Luke Luke writes to a largely Gentile Christian audience. Uh, we call them uh, last week the, um, the 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 highfalutin. Uh, uh, Christians or or the really affluent Christians. J Luke, you remember, is a is a physician. Uh, he begins his gospel uh, to the most excellent Theophilus, uh, and so it's very highbrow language. Uh, he's writing to a I don't want to say the aristocrats, but it is it, it it's a it's a bit different. His audience again is a bit a bit different, and and he is writing from the perspective of Jesus being the son of Adam, John writes to a much more general um, uh, Christian audience. Uh, he is writing from the perspective of Jesus being the son of God. Remember, he begins his gospel in the beginning, in the beginning, right? Uh, was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. He, 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 he takes this very, I don't wanna say philosophical, but, he, but, but beyond genealogy, uh, he goes to the very, um, um, uh, Christology of of Christ that that he is with God in the beginning he is he is uh, a part of the the Trinity the Godhead uh, and so he is saying that Jesus is the Son of God Mark however Mark is writing to Gentile Christians and he is writing from the perspective of Jesus being the Son of man. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit more in detail. Jesus as the son uh, of man. We'll look really, not deeply, but we'll we'll talk much more about that uh, in just a few moments. Uh, why don't we for now, why don't we take a moment since we're going to talk now, and, and that's just a bit of review. So let's get into chapter one um, of Mark's gospel. And as we do that, I want to go back to my friend, my, my video friend, who will help to give us some idea about the structure of this gospel. Uh, and I'll come back and and even uh, give you a, an even more minimized version uh, than what you'll hear right now. Let's hear from her. The Jesus who is portrayed in Mark isn't like the Jesus who's portrayed in the other gospels. In Mark, Jesus can sometimes seem mysterious or hard to understand. We'll talk about why next. Mark is the only one of the four Gospels that was written by someone who had access to an eyewitness account of Jesus' ministry. Scholars believe that John Mark the author of this book knew the disciple Peter. So remember that what you're getting in Mark is a view of Jesus from a disciple's perspective. 
Now, imagine for a minute what it was like to be a disciple. Who was this man who could heal the sick and raise the dead, and who even had enough authority to forgive sin? That's a lot to try to comprehend. And that's probably why the Jesus in Mark can seem hard to understand. The disciples certainly felt that way. Even after they had seen him feed the multitude in chapter 8, the disciples still worried when they didn't have enough food of their own. And in Mark chapter 9, even though Jesus tries to prepare his disciples for the crucifixion and his resurrection, the disciples just don't seem to get it. The Bible says that the disciples understood not. Hey, hey, I'm sorry for the interruption, but I just realized uh, I sent I sent in the wrong clip. I apologize for the interruption, but I didn't want that to go any further because that that might actually confuse you about what we're getting into tonight. So I apologize. Uh, and T.A., my my apologies. I, I forgot to y'all to say the hey to T.A. He's there. Uh, thank you so much. I apologize. I, I sent in the wrong uh, the wrong clip. I apologize for that. But let's let's just go ahead and get into the study then. Um, what she was going to talk about was the structure in four parts. And what I'll do is uh, just really minimize that and talk about it in two parts. Uh, because we uh, if you think about Mark's gospel, you can really, you can really, uh, two sections, two large sections, chapters one through eight, okay, and then chapters eight through 16. In chapters one through eight, primarily, um, you'll see, you'll see Mark really making the argument of Jesus's power and authority, right? The power and authority is what you'll see over and over again, beginning with the very first chapter, um, Mark goes to great lengths to really press the point that Jesus has power, Jesus has authority. Chapters eight through 16, Mark pivots. And, and instead of, he's not, he doesn't stop talking about power and authority, but he shows how that power and authority is is rested in and lived out through purpose and through submission, right? And so you have this, this Christ who has all power and authority, and yet you see how that power and authority is used for purpose and is used in a way of submission, submission to the Father's will. Even though he has all power and authority, he, he is just submitted to the will of the Father. He has all power and authority, but he doesn't just do what he wants to do. He does everything with intention and with purpose, okay? So those are the two large sort of uh, ways that I want you to think about uh, Mark's gospel. Uh, power and authority in chapters one through eight, and then in chapters eight through 16, uh, purpose and submission. Now, when you uh, go ahead and open your Bibles, look at Mark chapter one, because I love the way I love the way Mark opens uh, his his gospel. It says, "Look, look at what it says." It says, "The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God." All right, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, what I find what I find intriguing here is that Mark Mark begins this writing 
with the title of Jesus Christ in this very first verse, the son of God, right? He, he begins right there, making it very clear, Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he makes sure that that title is given to him. But throughout this gospel, even more than the son of God title, what you will see is the son of man title. Okay. And so, and so even though, even though Mark makes sure that we know that he is the son of God, what you will see is that Jesus refers to himself in this gospel as the son of man. And you see that in, in chapters two, verse 10, chapters two, verse 28. Matter of fact, uh, let me just read a couple of them to you. Chapter two, verse 10 says, but that ye may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed and go. Jesus is talking to this, this man who he is healing and he refers to himself as that you might know that the son of man, right? The son of man, chapter two, verse 28. Therefore, the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath, right? Chapter eight, verse 38, eight and 38. Uh, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me um, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed, son of man. And so Jesus constantly refers to himself throughout Mark's gospel as the son of man, which does a wonderful thing for the telling of this, for the reading of this gospel, because Mark, watch this y'all, Mark starts off calling him the son of God. Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And so you have, you have the son of God divinity, but you also have the son of man humanity. And even though he is given the title son of God, that in his divine nature, Jesus goes to great lengths to identify himself with hum humankind. He is the son of man, it, which is a beautiful thing because this our savior and our redeemer says, I want you to know that I understand what it is to not only be divine, but what it is to be man, what it is to be human. I understand what it is to be tested to be tempted, to be talked about. I understand what it means to be let down, to be angry, to, to, be, to be frustrated with people that you, you, you all you want them to do is stay up and pray with you and they go to sleep. I understand because he is the son of man. Oh, I love this. So Jesus, who is given the title son of God, which he is, makes sure that he identifies with us by referring to himself as son of man, over and over again. He is the son of man, the son of man, okay? Um, let me get back to this. Mark, uh, Mark Coyne, oh, wow, I'm, this is getting good to me. Right? I, I really love the gospel of Mark. It is, it is, it is probably, it is, yeah, it's probably my favorite gospel. Probably my favorite gospel. Mark, Mark is, I, I guess because Mark is, Mark, Mark is that fast-paced, it's it's a fast-paced gospel. It's it's constantly showing Jesus moving in mission and ministry. And then you see how all of it, how that ministry unfolds to the purpose of him being Messiah. 
It's mission ministry and that by our Messiah. I, I, I really, I really love the gospel of Mark. And the other thing I love about Mark is that, is that when you, when we are introduced to Christ in Mark, he's not a baby. He's not a child growing up, right? He's a full grown man and he's about to enter into ministry. Um, okay. So, so, uh, let's see through the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His presence. Okay. So look at, look at, let's go back to chapter, I'm sorry, chapter one, verse two, verse two says, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay. Wait a minute, Reverend, I thought you said Mark jumps right into Jesus. He does, he does, but he jumps into Jesus by telling us about the preparation for Jesus's ministry. And we know who it is, right? It's, it's John the Baptist. John the Baptist, uh, who is a cousin of Jesus, is the one who is preparing the way for Jesus's ministry. And when you read these two verses right here, verses two and three, those two verses are actually verses from Old Testament prophecy, okay? So when you read verse number two, as it is written in the prophets, right? As it says, behold, I send my messenger before thy face. That is prophecy from the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter three, verse one. Malachi chapter three, verse one. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me, okay? So Mark is taking time not to not to give us his genealogy, not to tell us the narrative of his birth, but he is taking time to make sure we know that this Jesus, who is the son of God, is the prophesied Messiah. He's been prophesied, okay? Verse three, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That is prop prophetic prophecy. Uh, uh, prophecy. That is prophecy from uh, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 says, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough places plain. That's the scripture that Mark is pulling from, okay? That's that very passage. And then watch this after Mark gives us Malachi and Isaiah. Now he gives us John. And that's what verse starts with. John did baptize in the wilderness. John. And so what, 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 what Mark is doing is saying, listen, he, he's giving us, before he gives us Jesus, he gives us John and says to us, this John, this John really, it, sometimes you'll you hear people refer to John as the last of the prophets, right? The last of the prophets, even though he's in the New Testament, 
because he is operating in the, the, the language, he is operating in the capacity really of profit. Um, uh, he is, he is, he is, I mean, he spares, it, it, when you think of Old Testament prophets, John fits that mold. In fact, in fact, when you, when you look at his dress, right, John is, is, he wears camel hair, the text says, verse, um, verse number six says, and John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, right? When you read that, that is exactly, uh, it, 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 it's descriptive of Elijah. Elijah in, 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 in Second Kings. Uh, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Second Kings, Second Kings or First Kings? Y'all help me, let me see. Uh, Wait one second. Wait one second. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter. Yes. Yeah, Second Kings chapter one. Second Kings chapter one. Uh, verse number eight. Verse number eight. And they answered him. He was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. Right. So it, it is. Th that's Elijah. And and John is described in much the same way, wearing camel hair, girt with a, a, a leather belt around his loin, eating locusts and wild honey. So John, John, you will hear people refer to John as the last of the Old Testament prophets because he comes in that same manner, taking that same shape, that same form, using much of the same language uh, of the Old Testament prophets, preaching in the, with the same fire and, 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 and zeal. Uh, of the Old Testament prophets. And so verse four says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That's what John preached. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Verse six, and John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Verse seven, and preached saying, there cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That verses one through eight, is Mark's introduction. If, if there's an introduction to Jesus and his ministry, it comes in those eight verses. And it's with, G, with Mark introducing him as the son of God, Mark introducing John as the forerunner, and then we get Jesus. Now, the thing that I love about, the thing that I love about um and I'm glad I'm glad that Mark takes the time to 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 talk about John because John, you know, John, John, John operates in that in that um, as I said in the, in the in the office of of prophet, preparing the way of of the Lord for 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 Jesus's ministry. I I really appreciate people who have the spirit of a John, 
let me take my time and talk about this for a minute. Um, John was very secure in his ministry, right? John was very secure in what he was called to do. And, and John was very clear about it and did and and was very cautious about not overstepping what his calling was. John, John knew that he was to prepare the way. He was uh, to to preach repentance, remission of sin. He was to baptize. Right. He understood his mission, but then he also clearly understands where it ends. And look at what he says. He says, he says, um, there, verse, verse seven, there cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. John, John says, listen, yes, I'm preaching uh, repentance. I, 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 I'm preaching remission of sin. I'm preaching baptism and I'm baptizing. He says, but be clear. What I'm baptizing you with is water. What the one who is coming after me is going to baptize you with is something greater and mightier than I ever could. And I, and I guess I guess what strikes me about that is 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 that. It's easy sometimes for people to get distracted and drawn away from their calling, from their mission, from their ministry. It's even easy to be drawn away by others who want to make you more than you are supposed to be, who want you to do more than you've been called to do, who want you to be more than what God has gifted you and ordained for you to do. And the danger in that is when you start listening to people and you stop listening to God, because people will make you believe, Lord, I'm fixing to preach in a minute. People will make you believe stuff about yourself <laughs> that is not true. Yeah, John was very clear about who he was, what his mission was, what God wanted him to do, and he stopped it at that. I guess I want to say to somebody, anybody who, who, who dares to listen to me tonight, um, listen to the voice of God. Listen to his Holy Spirit and understand, understand, you know, people say it all the time, stay in your lane. Um, understand, understand the limits. Because I do believe that God puts some limits on us, on what our calling is and how far it's to go, how long it's to go. Some of us, some of us, watch this, help me preach it. Some of us do things longer than our season. And you stay in something too long. You go too far. 
And and John John knows, nope, I've been called to prepare the way. I've been called until he comes. And when he comes, I'm going to get out the way. You have to know and you cannot let people allow you to stay beyond your time, to go beyond your limits because of what they see and what they want out of you. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't even in my notes, okay? That, that's, that's just being downloaded to me right now. Make sure that you, and, and the only way you can do this, watch this, you got to be secure in your relationship with God. This is the problem. So many of us find our security in other things and in other people rather than in our relationship with God. When you are secure in who you are, what God has called you to do, when you are secure in your gifts, when you are secure in that, you watch this. You will know, listen to me, you will know when it's time to bow out and you will not bow out being embarrassed. It will be a graceful bowing out, right? I've served. It's somebody else's time. I've done. It's somebody else's turn. I don't know who that's for. It's for somebody. Clearly, it's for somebody because I'm trying to move on and the Lord keep pulling me back to that. So John, John is clear about that. And he does not stay beyond or move beyond. In fact, and in fact, and I, I let me let me do let me deal with this because Jesus and John have a great relationship. In fact, in fact, Jesus um uh, the disciples of Jesus and John uh, at one point tried to try to get get a little uh, bickering going on. <laughs> right. And uh, but Jesus, Jesus understood John. John understood Jesus. And John was not going to overstep his bound. And Jesus, watch this, watch this. Jesus respected John. Oh, yeah. Watch it. Look at it. Jesus goes to be baptized by John. John is already baptizing before Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus goes to be baptized by John, which means that Jesus has a bit. Watch this. Remember, I talked about Jesus and humanity. Now look at Jesus and humility. Good God Almighty. Look at Jesus and his humility. He is the son of God, but he is humble enough to let John baptize him. And even when John almost resists and said, no, you ought to be baptizing me, Jesus says, let it be so, suffer it to be so. So watch this. He is the son of God, the son of man, right? But he is humble enough to allow John to operate in his, in his gifting. And he, here's a challenge for a lot of us. Are, if you've got a title, can you still humble yourself, whatever your title is. Can you humble yourself, watch this, so that others aren't threatened by you. 
so that uh, you you don't have to tear others down just because you got a title. Good, I'm about to preach tonight. Listen, don't let your title go to your head and cause you to think that because you have the bigger title that somebody can't do something for you. Jesus, the son of God, humbles himself before John allows him to baptize him. And so you've got this wonderful relationship between these two. And even, even at the end of John's life, as John is, is about to be killed, about to be uh, uh, executed, and he is, he is grappling with Jesus's ministry and grappling with, and he tells his disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you, are you the one or do we look for another? Because at this moment, you know, th there've been some things that happened that, that have caused even John to wonder, it, you know, are, are you going to, are you going to do what I think you're going to do? And Jesus sends him a message back, says, John, don't worry about this, man. You know who I am. <laughs> In fact, when you heard when you heard my mother's uh, uh, voice when you were still in Elizabeth's womb, you jumped because you knew who I was. Don't don't act like you do. You know who I am. Okay, all right, all right. My God, I'm I'm feeling this tonight. So look, so look, Jesus and John, whatever whatever title you have, whatever title you've been given. Make sure that you don't lord it over people to the extent that you somehow, watch this, diminish them and their light. You don't have to. I, 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 I wrote this in a, in a post some time ago on a Facebook post that, that you don't have to um, uh, dim somebody else's light to make yours shine. Something like that I wrote. If I didn't write it, I should have. Uh, but but yeah, you you don't have to you don't have to diminish somebody else's light. Just let yours shine, right? You, you don't just let yours shine. All right. So I'm trying to let me see how much time I okay. All right, I'm good. So John is introduced. My goodness, <laughs> I know I'm, I, I none of this is a, are in these notes. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to you. I, I know I'm gonna get to these notes in a minute. All right. So John is John is is introduced to us, and then finally, finally, in verse nine, verse nine, we get the baptism of Jesus. Okay, the baptism of Jesus. Verse nine and it says, "It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized of John." In the Jordan, straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. There came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so right here, verses 9 through 11, we get the baptism of Jesus. But here's what I want you to concentrate on. Look at verses 10 and 11. Straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. And the spirit like a dove descending upon him, there came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so right here, you get an announcement from God and it is announced authority. Authority is announced by God. You are my beloved son. 
God says this. God says this. He says it to Jesus. Thou art my beloved son. And watch this. And I'm pleased in you. So, so Jesus, remember verse one, the son of God, as he is, the, the title is given to him. And now we see that announced by God. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You are the son of God indeed. Right after, right after this baptism, and this is what I, I mean about the fast-paced nature of, of Mark's gospel. Look at verse 12. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, was with the wild beast, and angels ministered unto him. So immediately, right, You there is this, what I call the urgency of the gospel uh, that, that Mark seems to have with the telling uh, of 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 this story, this the the story of Jesus. Uh, it's urgent that he 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 gets to the next thing, gets to the next thing, and so immediately, um, the Spirit drives him into the wilderness, and so he moves from the baptism right to the temptation of Jesus. And it's right here, verses twelve through thirteen. He doesn't go into the temptation. You got to read another gospel to find out what the temptation is. Right? He doesn't go into that. And he just says that it happened. Tempted 40 days uh, uh, in the wilderness uh, of Satan. Says, uh, and angels ministered unto him. And so you got the baptism of Jesus. Then you got the temptation of Jesus. In the baptism of Jesus, you see authority announced. In the temptation of Jesus, you see authority tested. Jesus, God says, I'm well pleased in you. Satan comes along and says, okay, let's see. Ain't that just like the devil? Ain't that just like the devil? When, 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 when the Lord does something, when the Lord puts his hand on you, when the Lord blesses you, when the Lord favors you, when the Lord opens a door for you, the devil comes along and says, okay, let's see. And this is exactly what happens here, right? Uh, and, so, and so Satan comes along to test what Jesus has just experienced by hearing himself the voice of God saying, you are my beloved son. Make no mistake about it. This is God talking to Jesus. Thou art my beloved son. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Which is why, which is why, watch this, which is why when Satan tempts Jesus, Satan keeps saying, if you are, if you are, right? Because God has been talking to Jesus, God says to Jesus, you are, thou art my beloved son. And now Satan comes along and says, you sure that's what you heard? How many times has God said something to you and the devil comes along and makes you doubt what you heard? Good God Almighty. Are you sure that's what you heard? Did, did the Lord really tell you to move? Did the Lord really tell you to apply for that job? Did the Lord really tell you to to go to that school? Did the Lord really tell you to marry that person? Really? And, and before you know it, you'll start doubting every decision you ever made in faith because you're being tempted by Satan. 
right after Jesus hears, thou art my beloved son, immediately the devil comes along and tempts him. If you are the son of God, I told you, you got to read another gospel to see the temptation. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Verses uh, now beginning with verse 14, beginning with verse 14. Okay, got a few more minutes here. Beginning with verse 14, 14 and 15. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, don't run over verse 14. Look at verse 14 again. You got to see that. Now, after that John was put in prison, I told you, remember, John, John eventually is, is, is uh, killed, um, executed. Uh, and he, before he is killed, he sends his disciples to Jesus, uh, asking about who, making sure that, uh, because look, he's like, look, if I'm, I'm going to die, but don't let me die in vain. Don't let me die having given my life to this, thinking that I'm doing the right thing only to discover uh, that it was in vain. So he says, just give me some assurance of what I think I already know. Got to read another gospel to get that. But that's what that's what this one verse, again, Mark doesn't go into all this, all the detail of that. He just tells you it happened. So John is in prison. But watch this, y'all. After John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. When did he come preaching? After John was put into prison. I told you before, these two respected each other. They respected each other. And Jesus doesn't start preaching until John's prophetic ministry comes to an end. Again, it's the limits. It's the it's and they respect it. And Jesus and Jesus doesn't just come in, you know, taking over. Good God, that's a word. See, because some there are some people who, when they get a job, they just come in, and because they got the 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 the, the authority, they just come in and take over and don't respect any of the things that are already there. Good God, any of the people who are already there, the people who are already serving, the people who already know how to run the company, who already know how to run the church, the people who have been there, who have been serving, somebody new comes in and just takes over and does everything the way they wanna do it. No, if you're gonna be successful in this thing, particularly the church and ministry, you gotta come in, watch this, and show that you know how to handle authority. And authority does not mean you just come in doing what you want to do because you got the title. Jesus, look at it, y'all. He came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom after John was in jail. And so there is a definite start, stop of one and start of another. There's the ending of one and the beginning of another, right? Jesus begins his ministry as John's ends. I love that. I love that. How much, how much, how much, mm, how, how better off would some of our churches be 
uh, and some of our ministries be? Uh, if people who are coming in took the time to, to ingratiate themselves, took the time to, to, to respect and appreciate former leadership and, and, and not just uh, step over and on and, 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 and beyond because they're the new person in charge, but really took some time to, to appreciate uh, their predecessor. That, that's, 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 that's good stuff, y'all. That, that will help somebody. All right. So Jesus comes in, verse 15, and he's preaching now the gospel of the king. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. There it is. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now watch this, y'all. Jesus comes along preaching, but he's not preaching anything new. He's taking up where John left off. That's, that's what John was preaching. Repent, right? The difference is, the difference is that Jesus says, he adds on, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And basically, and he says, it is the fulfillment. Everything that you've been hearing John preach about, now it's here. Now it's here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. What does it say? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, in these last few minutes, verse 16 through 20, 16 through 20 real quickly, Jesus now calls uh, the first of the disciples. Uh, they, they are fishermen, right? He calls them and they drop their nets uh, to follow after him. This is the discipling of Jesus. He begins his discipling ministry, having those men uh, called from different uh, professions of life, different uh, areas of life, uh, different backgrounds to come and follow him and become his disciples. They were fishermen. Now he says, I will make of you fishers of men, right? Then verses 21 through 22. Um, verse 21 through 22, after he's called them, uh, it says, and they went and they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes, as one who had what? Authority. And now you begin to see Jesus, not only is he preaching now, now he's teaching with authority. He's teaching with authority. And he's doing it with such, with such power that, that the people are looking at him and listening to him and saying, we hadn't heard it like this before. This gospel, this message, we have not heard it preached like this before with this power, with this authority. Who is this guy that he talks like this, that he teaches like this? And then finally, verses 23 through 34 and 43 through 45, you then see all of this, the rest of this chapter, Jesus 
is healing. He's touching. Verse 23, uh, there was a, a man in the synagogue who had an unclean spirit. You know what happens. He heals that man, right? Uh, verse, uh, uh, da, 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 verse 30, Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever. Um, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto him. He's healing with authority. Uh, verse 33, and all the city were gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were there with sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Here he is again, healing with authority. He's healing with authority. He's teaching with authority. He's preaching with authority. Verse 39, and he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, saying, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, right? And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. The rest of this chapter is showing that Jesus now, watch this, it begins with him being given the title, the son of God. He calls himself the son of man. He identifies with, with humanity, operates in humility, right? He humbles himself before John being baptized. He, he is given the title of authority by, by God, the father. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That authority is tested by Satan. If you are the son of God, right? After it is tested, now he begins operating, teaching with authority. He's healing with authority. He's preaching with authority. Listen, y'all, this book, this gospel, this, go this first chapter, I mean, yeah, I just skimmed through it, but y'all need to read it now. Now that I've given it to you, I've outlined it. Go ahead the rest of the night. Read this chapter in its entirety. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's going to give you, it's going to give you, uh, uh, some good food for thought tonight. I pray uh, that this has been a good lesson for you. I'm looking for my, okay, here we go. There we go. Good deal. We're out of time. So thank you for joining me tonight. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and put your prayer requests in because we've got just a little time and I want to pray for you and pray for your family members. So if you got family uh, members or yourself that need prayer, Go ahead and populate our uh, timeline with those names and let's get let's get those prayers lifted up. Amen. I pray that it was a blessing for you tonight. I felt good. I feel good teaching that. That was a good lesson for me. Good God. Good God. Listen, let's uh, let's let's get some prayer requests up tonight. Do you have anyone uh, that we need lifted up? Duckworth Bridges and Boyd families in Canton, Ohio. Tondra Bridgman and her girls and the voices of love. Amen. God bless you. We will do that. Amen. Uh, pray for Caden. We will pray for Caden. Thank you, Shelby Moore. Praying for Caden. Uh, pray for Lori Allen and the Allen family. Thank you, Erica. We will do that. We're lifting up Lori Allen and the Allen family. Amen. Uh, Sister Davis is asking for prayer for Roy Davis. We will do that, Sister Davis. Uh, Tanya Francis, we're praying for you, Sister Francis. Uh, Ruth Ann Wilson, praying for you and your family. Stacy Hurd, uh, for the Hurd family. God bless you. Uh, Dwayne Wilson, we are praying for you, your family as well. Uh, sister Roselle, uh, your sister uh, Fanny Ard in Dallas, Texas. Sister Roselle, we will do just that. Florence and Andrews, Reverend Willie E. Smith, 
of Yazoo City, my friend. Let me uh, know what's going on with Reverend Smith. Amen. We will lift him up. Amen. Sister, uh, uh, let's see, Jesus heals uh, Mamie and heals. he heals me too. Amen. All right, Sister Bell, God bless you. We will be praying for you, Sister Bell, Cousins, Janice Briggs, and Timothy Coleman. Thank you, Sister Moody. Uh, Aaron McDonald, your nephew, Donovan, we will lift him up. Sister Butler, uh, praying for the Butler family. God bless you, Sister Butler. We're lifting you up. Amen. Lifting you up in your time of bereavement. Amen. God is with you, and so are we. Uh, Debbie Littleton, praying for your le our leaders. Yes. Uh, God bless you. We're praying for all of our leaders, all of our national leaders, our new national leaders, y'all. Amen, somebody. Somebody ought to put some hearts in the, in the timeline. Praying for Polly Johnson. Yes. Amen. God bless you. Praying for JPS school students. Yes. God bless you. We're praying. We're praying. We're praying. We're praying. God bless you. Uh, let's see. We're praying for all of that. And we will continue to pray for Dorothy Aldrich. Amen. We're praying for Dorothy Aldrich. We will lift you up as well. Amen. Let's pray you all. Father, in the name of Jesus, how thankful, how grateful we are. You are the God who hears our prayers and who heals our diseases. Lord, we thank you that our, our Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, uh, is one who, who is absolutely divine and came in complete humanity. He did not drop his divinity, but he explored the fullness of humanity, which allows for him to be our all-sufficient savior. So God, thank you that he knows our struggles. Thank you for a savior who knows, who knows what it is to be frustrated, to be tempted, to be angry. God, thank you that you're the God who promised to never leave us nor forsake us and to walk with us through life's valleys, through life's hard times. God, every person, every name that we've lifted up tonight, Lord, we not just call them out with our voices, but we cry them out in our hearts and in our spirits. Oh God, be a very present help right now. Bless Brother Collins, Sister Butler. Oh God, be with them now. Touch as only you can. God, for all the many who are yet in the hospitals here locally, those who have had family members who have been struggling and yet recovering, God, you know what's going on in our land. Lord, we thank you for a new day filled with new promise, potential, and possibilities. So God, we pray now for this, our new president. 
new vice president. God, we pray for our nation now. We pray, Lord, that you would protect them and protect an agenda of righteousness, an agenda of justice, an agenda that would allow the least, the lost, the lowly to be lifted up and no longer left behind. God, we pray for, for equity, for parity. Lord, we pray that humanity would flourish and in so doing that we would be our brother's keepers. Lord, we're not looking for government to solve all of our problems. We know it can't. But Lord, we do pray that you allow this government to be the best that it can be to serve its citizens. God, we pray that we would be the best citizens we can be, that we would be productive, that we would be protective, that we would, that we would, God, give you praise in all that we do. God, bless our churches, our churches that have been closed now for so long. Lord, you know the struggles of leadership. You know the struggles of pastors and all who serve churches and have been trying to do so in, in conditions that no one could ever have imagined. God, we pray that you would give fresh insight and understanding and fresh guidance, oh God, by your Holy Spirit. Lead us, show us your perfect will for us. Keep us safe from all harm and danger. Bless our city, oh God. Bless our leaders here. Oh God, we need you. More than ever before, we need you right now. So Lord, do a new thing with us. Do a new thing for us. Do a new thing through us. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. We love you. We will see you soon. See you on Sunday morning. God bless you. Good night.